Hello, welcome to the Less Matters podcast, a show that helps you better understand the world of multi-team agility. I'm your host, Ben Maynard. And I've got over 15 years experience working in agile teams and helping organisations large and small really get to grips with multi-team agile. In today's episode, we're talking to Jack Hughes, agile expert and LinkedIn favourite, who is helping us understand how the swimmer's body illusion is something the agile world should know about. Do not miss any golden nuggets in our weekly episodes and entice others to get them nuggets too. Why not subscribe and review us on your favourite podcast platform? Okay, that's enough. Let's get stuck into this episode, shall we? Hello, we're back. It's Ben and Jack. And we are here to talk today about something which I know nothing yet about, which is the swimmer's body illusion. Jack, would you mind educating me and everyone else as to exactly what this is? Yeah, cool. So it's definitely not my work, so disclaimer. But if you Google it, um, that'll be a, a deeper dive, I'm sure. But we're trying to keep these short, so I will keep it short as well. But picture you're watching the Olympics, swimming, one of the first events. Male or female, there's no... Objectively, they have pretty, they're in pretty decent nick, aren't they? The swimmer's body illusion is me then thinking... I'm going to go swimming five days a week at half, you know, twice a week, every day, uh, twice a day, every day, half five in the morning and six o'clock at night. Because I just by swimming alone, I can get as ripped as a swimmer. Not taking into account the genetics of it, the culture that they've grown up in. Me simply swimming is not going to give me the body of a swimmer. That is the swimmer's body illusion. How does that relate to what we're talking about? Well, it goes back to the the copying and pasting of agility from other organizations. We all know which ones. We're going to copy this model. We're going to implement that model. We're going to introduce that way of working. Simply lifting and shifting one way of working to another organization may not be the best idea. It's not automatically going to give you the results. Like I said, if I go swimming every day, I'm not automatically going to be, you know, I'm not going to I'm not going to be able to grate cheese on my on my apps just by doing a bit of breaststroke twice a day. How um, convenient would that be though? You know, be able well, to that's what I mean if it, cheese. Imagine I mean, if it, if it was yeah, if it was easy, everyone would do it, wouldn't they? They would go right, I'm just going to go swimming and, and look like that in a couple of weeks. That's not to say you can't do it. But simply swimming alone is not going to get us there just as much as copying one way of working. You know, I'm not going to name the, the, the most popular model which people try and implement in squads and tribes. Well, if you're a big financial institution, one, you're not a streaming music service and you're not from that country. So there's going to be a lot of different things going on. Again, if you are outsourcing the build of your product or service to another organization to build the thing, then you're not going to get the the benefits. I always see agility as a full tank of petrol in terms of these are all the benefits you may see. You start to chip away at it, that that tank is going to become emptier and emptier. If you're not looking at your technical practices, you know, how easy is it to change something without burning the whole place down? 
if you've got loads of hidden work being surfaced, if you're overlaying a framework like Scrum over what already exists, and there isn't an acceptance of the whole organization needs to be put under the microscope in terms of practices, culture, values, principles, um, it may be, you know, weeing in the wind, as they say. I don't want you to have to bleep anything out. There's a little box I tick for explicit, which I just okay. tick by default. Okay, fair enough. So, so yeah, simply going through the mechanics of something will not always get the results that are, that are perceived. It's like 30-day abs. Well, if you're still eating rubbish, you can do all the setups in the world. <laughs> you're not going yeah. you know, to get anywhere. There's a lot of work that goes on beneath the iceberg, as some people would say. So that's all the swimmer's body illusions about. I thought I heard it on someone else's podcast. Um, and I thought it was quite, uh, yeah, it triggered a thought in terms of how we go about implementing agility in, in some places. It's rife, isn't it? I mean, if we scratch the surface a little bit, because it does, it did remind me of the idea of cargo cults. You know, people just ritualistically. Yeah, I think it's an updated version of that, really. Different way of explaining. Slightly more politically correct, though, probably. I'm not sure how. And I'm not sure how true the cargo cult thing and the full elaborated story of it, I'm not sure how true it is, but it's a nice story. The copying and pasting of stuff is incredibly, say, is often incredibly detrimental. And sure, for that big, well-known streaming service, copy and paste. I also yeah. see it so much with Scrum. Like, mm. if you copy and paste the whole Scrum team, product owner, Scrum master, and or developers as it is now, you copy and paste that whole thing, like, everywhere across your organization, you've got a huge amount of waste and bloat and over-empowerment, putting people in different directions. It's just, it's overkill and it's unnecessary. And it just stinks of that truer understanding, which is what we lack. But I suppose what we're not saying here, though, Jack, is that when you start out, a little bit of mimicry is always bad. Ah, oh, no, I think, you know, going back to the original point, someone who doesn't swim, getting off the sofa and going swimming, that's a positive, uh, that's a positive thing, right? Someone going for a walk because they think it's going to get them one step closer to running a marathon, for example. It all starts from those from those basics. But I think it's just the being being a bit more more organ people within organizations being a bit more self aware of there is there's probably a bit more to it than that. But we're making a good start. But yeah. let's not expect our transformation in thirty days. Like we're we're not going to be a ripped organization in thirty days. Hey, we should make it. Should make an app. I mean, there's plenty of apps which promise all kind of uh, marvelous body improvements in thirty days. We should make an app, you know, agile transformation in thirty days. Yeah. And just because people don't follow it properly doesn't mean the app doesn't work, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and we'll charge them ten pound a month for the privilege. We get them to subscribe, subscribe for a year, but do seven days for free, and then they'll forget, and then it'll just sort of renew, and they'll kick themselves when the money leaves their bank. Yeah, well, that's interesting, though, isn't it? Because a lot of people are, are actually cancelling at the moment because of uh, you know what's going on and cost of living and stuff. So it'll be interesting to see how they react to that because it is a natural. People are being 
uh, are refining their luxuries. So it'll be understandably, yeah, yeah, definitely. But it'll be interesting to see how these products and services pivot and what they what they yes. do in the meantime, and which new ones emerge. Mm. Now, the summer's body illusion. It also reminded me of this idea between doing and being, but not initially from an agile perspective. I know there's a the great work done many years ago by someone whose name I can't remember who spoke about doing agile versus being agile, and that's yeah. kind of proliferated through, and people talk about it a lot. But when it popped into my head originally, it was on the back of a coaching book that I read called Building Top Performing Teams. And they talk about the doing and being of a team coach, like a professional team coach. And yeah. you can simply do the stuff, but the being is where there's value. And that, in my opinion, you couldn't call yourself a coach or an, you couldn't call yourself a coach unless you're being a coach. If you're just doing the coaching bit, you're using coaching skills. If yeah. you're being a coach, then it's a coaching conversation and you're done, you've done it properly. So then is it the same with things like, agile or whatever frameworks it might be that you can sure you can do these things but you're not tapping into that being that holistic thing which means that sure you can you, you go yeah you, you're swimming twice a day but you're, you're, your diet's crap and you're not sleeping properly and you and you're and you're a smoker mm. uh, and you know do you know what if you really want to be a swimmer be a professional swimmer. That's what it's going to take for you to get the body. Simply doing some swimming isn't going to get you the results that you want. Yeah, and, and some natural ability. And some natural ability, yeah. But, that, but that's where it comes down to expectation setting, self-awareness. I, I see it as uh, practical optimism. Some organisations you know, are living off systems that are donkey's years old, and that's fine. But unless they're willing to tackle that, they're going to be putting a sexy UI on the front and, you know, dog toffee in the back. So, and that's fine, but it's just about not, not pretending that we are not what we are, I suppose. Yeah. Um, and not pretending that we and not ignoring who we are and making comparisons to people. We will that just aren't useful. Yeah. Like you were yeah. saying earlier, we're never going to be a, a streaming service based on you know based on the European continent because we are a, a, a colossal bank based out in America. So we're not gonna we're never gonna be that. Is it a case of and you're setting realistic expectations, saying, well you're you're never gonna be that that product, but can we help you be faster than your competitors? Because that's what counts. Can we can we be quicker than those who are currently beating us or threatening us? quicker with new ideas, quicker with getting stuff out there, quicker with seeing return on investment. It doesn't matter if we're still objectively like you know, slower than yeah. the fastest products in the world. doesn't matter. Like, I'm driving a tractor. I don't need it to be as fast as a Tesla. Yeah, yeah. But I need to be able to use my combine harvester quicker than my neighbour so I can get my wheat out and sold ahead of them. Yeah, yeah. And that classic picture of um, the banking apps and how many clicks it takes to create an account. <sighs> Have you seen that? No. It's doing something for me though, Jack. I want to see it. It, it does the rounds every now and then. And then you've got like the some of the challenger banks at the top, some of the more um, the older banks in the middle, and then someone's it's like ninety-two clicks to create a current account. Oh. But 
to your point, it's about saying, well, can we can we reduce that if we're at the bottom of the league? Can we make the customer experience a bit better? Because we're never going... That's why I, I do like the um, elements of the Kanban maturity model, you know, the levels. Yeah. And I think sharing that sometimes with leaders can say, do you know what? Where, where do you think you can get to based on what you're working with? We can probably yeah. do level one. We can probably do level two. This is what level whatever nine looks like. Realistically, can we get there? Maybe one day, but should we be aiming for level five and then see where we are? Yeah, I just think it's being practically optimistic about the situation you as an organ, you, you know, the organization is in and what the, pro- the state of the product's in. That sounds like that. But. Sounds like some pleasantly surprising thinking there, Jack. Yeah, you know, I like that. <laughs> um, no, it's brilliant, Matt. I like it. Not that my, not that me liking it matters. I I'm not. I'm not like validating what you said, but I, I think it, you know, like it's a good thing to show people. Like the adaptivity fit. Have you seen this? I haven't. No. It's a. I did. I interviewed the creators of it actually, and we haven't got this episode out yet. They're called, they're they're referring to it as a map. I'm not certain if it's a map, but I think it is really bloody useful because what they've done is taken the archetypes for different organizational structures, okay, yeah. and come up with nine different archetypes. So, but you've got one corner where it's your very traditional reductionist, old school way of doing things. In the bottom, so top left, you've got that. Bottom right, you've got like something which is just totally going to need total world order change to achieve this type of a massively adaptable organization where customers are as much part of the organization as the people who are employed, right? Yeah. Totally dream state. But in between, they've got these seven different structures and it allows you to say, okay, well, we're here. Well, our options are conceivably like here or here. Or we can go from here to here, but we're going to have to go through all all this stuff that is in the middle, these other three archetypes, it's going to have to change for yeah. us to get to this point. And I totally see how showing that to the leaders of an organization or someone in an organization and saying, right, where do you think you are now? Let me educate you about some of these because you think you're there while well, I'm seeing this and you come up with something you can agree upon and say, right, so what is a next step for you? Where do you think you could practically end up in, say, five years? And they can say, oh, well, maybe we can get to the, you know, grid number like a6 yeah i am currently up here and i think that's really useful to give people a point of reference and someone they can understand and a language to talk about where they are versus where they practically could be mm. i agree sounds like oh, i'll have yeah. to look into that yeah it's i'd say it's a really interesting thing they've come up with what were you going to say uh yeah just about setting expectations and being being realistic uh, with what you are and what you are not as an organisation, and often what we are is a good enough place to start in general. Well, where are, where else can we start from, from where we are today? And this reminds me of our first conversation, Jack, when we're talking about contracting and certain expectations. So maybe this is another thing that we can bring into that initial. Yeah, definitely a theme, <laughs> mate. Thank you so much. I've learned a lot particularly in this last conversation. So I am uh, grateful, mate, and obliged to you Likewise. To, uh, for sharing your thoughts and your time. Thank you for having me on. I started off down here, like I said, and now I'm back back to fighting form. So uh, I appreciate the cathartic conversation. <laughs> mate, uh, yeah. if whenever you want to cathart on me, 
feel free to cover just cathart, cathart all over me, Jack. It's fine. Good luck with the future conversations. Yeah, thank you. I'm going to go talk to a, someone that hopefully will be my friend. Jack, <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much again. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And we look forward to uh, welcoming you back next time around. Take care. What a brilliant conversation. Do you know what? I really enjoy talking to people, as you can probably tell. So I hope you've enjoyed listening to it too. Now, don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, give us your feedback. The more attention that we get, the easier it makes it for me to free up the time to record these podcasts and edit them, to add videos onto the YouTube channel for Less Matters community. So please do give us your feedback, share it, like it, love it, give us your suggestions. My name is Ben Maynard. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Less Matters podcast. Until next time, stay safe and we'll see you then.